Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. And I want you to turn with me over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk about uh, faith. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk about faith again tonight. It's been something I've been talking about here lately. I said, oh, we get another faith message. Absolutely. Hallelujah. It's good to hear about the subject of faith, have our faith encouraged and built up. Amen. Praise God. I just wrote down a couple things just as reminders. Why is it so important we talk about faith? You know, it's not an adherence to a set of beliefs or a creed. It's not a movement. It's not a group. It's what we live by. Amen. It's what we live by. Go over your, hold your place here in, uh, in Hebrews. Turn back over to Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter 1. Have you know every word is inspired by God? Every word is the will of God. Amen. How many know it's not up to us to change it? It's up to us to accept it and obey, right? And do what it says. It says here in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the last half of the verse. We'll read the whole verse. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How many want to be in the number who are, who are considered the just? What does it mean to be just? It means to be righteous, right with God. Do you want to be in that number? Just a few of you. How about the rest of you? Do you want to be one of the just? Those you, I'm, I'm glad to be part of the just. I'm glad I'm not in the unjust crowd. I'm in the just crowd, right? Well, if you're in the just, just crowd, Jesus said, the word of God says, God said here that the just shall live by faith. Amen. Hebrews 10, 38 says the thing, same, same thing. Galatians talks about the just shall live by faith. Living by faith is that it is key. Faith is important because it's what we live by. Amen. Go, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the uh, uh, 7th verse. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Faith is important. We live by faith. But it says here that for we walk by faith and not by sight. We'll talk about that tonight. We walk by faith and not by sight. I mean, we've been called to live this. Aren't you glad we don't have to live like, like everybody else, driven by what we see, how things appear? I said, aren't you glad we don't have to live that way? Y'all are going to help me tonight, right? All right, you're going to help me. I mean, isn't it glad? That aren't, isn't it good to know we don't have to be, live our life? Our joy, aren't you glad our joy isn't attached to what we see? I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, what I see doesn't look as good as it did a few years ago. Right? I mean, you know, life tends to, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've had more gray popping up, and, and I, I don't like look at that and say, oh, that's great. That's, I, that actually is kind of a bummer to me, you know. Things are happening. Well, I'm glad that my joy isn't attached to that. <laughs> my joy is not attached to what I see going on around me. Know that we, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. It's how we live our lives, how we look, how we walk, how we exist. It's how God functions. Remember Romans, he said that he gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. So faith is important because that's what our dad does. That's how our father operates. Amen. And I mean, there's a little scripture in Ephesians that says that we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear children. What does it mean? Act like our dad. You know, I've discovered anytime the Bible says something to do, we can do it. But more so than just we can do it, God expects us to actually do it. 
He wants us to live like him. He wants us to be like him, to call those things that aren't as though they were. He's looking for us to do that. Amen. And we can do it. Amen. So faith is important because it's how our father operates. It's how he moves. It's how we please God. You were in Hebrews. You can go back to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I'd say if you've not read, read the book of Hebrews lately, I encourage you to do so. There is so much in here. And I've laid it. The Lord keeps bringing me back just to the, the book of Hebrews in general. But in this general vicinity of the book of Hebrews is, is amazing. But in Hebrews 11, uh, uh, in the sixth verse, the scripture that we know we, because we've heard it before, it says without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please him. So why is the subject of faith important? Because without it, you cannot please God. You know, how many, no matter what you do, if faith isn't involved in it, God's not pleased with it. Amen. So without faith, it is impossible, not unlikely, it is impossible to please God. Amen. As we have his word on it, which means we know we can. I love what the Amplified says. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. We want to please him and be satisfactory to him in every single area. Amen. And it's how we overcome. You're hearing, uh, go to First John, the fifth chapter. First John chapter five. Subject of faith is vital. It says, for he who overcomes, well, we'll, uh, we'll look at the fourth verse. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Our faith, your faith. You know, I mean, it's not enough that Jesus overcame. We've got, to, we've got to walk in that. How do we walk in that? We do it through our faith. It's by our faith that we overcome the world. Our faith is what overcomes the world. So our faith needs to be strong, amen? Need to keep it stirred up. Need to keep it, uh, keep it rolling, keep it moving. And go over to Second uh, Peter. We'll look here at Second Peter, the uh, first chapter. These are things to know that you know, but they're good to remind ourselves. And be excited about them. To take them seriously, to put them into practice in our life, right? First Peter, the uh, Second Peter, rather, chapter 1. This is in the, uh, the first verse. All of these verses here are so good. Uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll go on down to the second verse. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, our, 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 uh, of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I am so grateful that we're not lacking anything. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. In any area in our life where we're lacking, you, when you see lack in your life, you got to know that you've already been given with your answer. Your answer, what you need to meet the need in every area, God's given it to you. Amen. That's true. Every area. So whatever area is lacking, God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, there's no reason to settle for less than. There's no reason to settle for less than what his word promises. There's no reason to settle for less than what God puts in your heart. There's no reason to, to be okay with. There's no, it's not, there's no reason to get along. There's no reason to just have to get along in life. We're not here to get along. We're here to overcome, right? He's given us all things that pertain to life, this life, and God-likeness. I think sometimes we need to raise our bar a little bit about what it means to be a believer, not just in general, but in my life. What does it mean to be a child of God? He's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness, godlikeness. Being and looking like our Father has been given to us. Amen? Woo, that's a, that's a blessing right there. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, you just say, just need to tell yourself, you've been provided. 
All things have been provided to that guy. All things provided to that girl. This person I'm looking at, all things have been provided to them. Amen? Said all things have been provided to us. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue by which have been given to us, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Ooh, hallelujah. That through these you, not somebody else, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Praise God. We've been partakers of the divine nature. Not a divine nature, but the divine nature. Amen. These things have been given to us. Hallelujah. It goes on to say, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The decay that's in the world. We've, we've, we've been given those things. Well, what's that got to do with faith? Faith is how we access those things. Faith is how we lay hold of what's already been given to us. Faith is how we walk in those things. Those things that have been freely given to us is by faith. Amen. Thank God he's given it, but thank God he's also given us the way to access those things. Thank God he's also given us the means by which to lay hold of those things. The things for which he's already laid a hold of us. We've been given the ability to do that. That's our faith that does it. That's our faith. Amen. Your faith will cause every one of those things, right? Your faith in the Lord Jesus will cause every one of those things that God has provided to come into your life, to come into manifestation, The reality is they already belong to you, but he wants them to show up. He wants them to be seen. He wants them to be known, not from afar or in somebody else. He wants you to see him and know him in your own life. Amen. You know, the only only thing that stops us is our desire to see those things. When we get happy, when we get settled, and what we're okay with, that's where we stop right there. But I tell you what, if you have a determination to lay hold of those things that he has laid hold of us for, the things that he has provided, that he's freely given, I tell you, your faith will see you through. Amen? Thank God for faith. Hallelujah. Like I said, it's not just a movement, but we ought to be moved by it. Amen. It's not a move, but it ought to be something that moves us, moves us. Amen. And that we, as we start moving with it, we start moving things. Hallelujah. Woo, that, the life of faith is an exciting life. Hallelujah. I tell you, there are more things that God wants us to see on the subject of faith. There's more things he wants us to be aware of. Why? Because there's more things he wants us to walk in. There's more of those things he's given us that we've not experienced yet. And aren't you glad we don't have to wait till the sweet by and by. We can start walking in those things now. The reality is a sweet by and by. We'll access them then the same way we get to access them now by faith. Amen. We'll get to access those things by faith. Hallelujah. Thank God for the subject of faith. It ought to be something we go back to often. Amen. Something we go back to and look at regularly. Amen. Go back over to Hebrews 11th chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. These verses are wonderful. There's some things that we've talked about already I want to look at, but uh, I, I believe they'll be a blessing to us. And we'll get into something else tonight. I think that uh, trust the Lord has for us. It's going to be good. Hebrews chapter 11. This is in the first verse, a verse that we know very well. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love what the Young's literal translation says in faith. Uh, and, and faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. Faith is a confidence. Faith is a conviction. I love that. 
Faith is, is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen. I love the Cotton Patch Bible. I always have to quote this when I, or look at this when I read Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is betting your life on the unseen realities of God. The unseen realities of God. The unseen realities of God. How many know there are some things that are real, but you may not see them, but the real. Amen? Hallelujah. It starts with faith as a substance. You're there in the first verse. Go down to the third verse. By, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. So the things which are seen were not made of things that were visible. How many of those things that were not visible were things? They were, there was a substance to it. Amen? Hallelujah. There are things we can't see that are real, that belong to us. Amen? And it's bringing those things out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. That's what faith does for us. Amen? There's a conviction there. There is a, a, a confidence there that God is faithful to do what he said he would do. That what he said is real is real whether we see it or not. Amen? Praise God. Aren't you glad we can call these things into existence? Amen? Faith concerns two main areas. There's two main areas we can see here in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is concerned with. Let's read it again out of the New King James. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The things hoped for and, the, and things not seen. So it concerns two areas, things that are hoped for and things that are not seen. You can say it another way. Faith is concerned with things that are not seen. And faith is also concerned with things that are not yet. There's a saying out there that says seeing and believing. How many of seeing is not believing? There's no faith required to, to, there's no faith required when you see something. Whatever it is you're facing, when you're looking at it, there's no faith to sit there and look at it and say that's real. Well, it's there. You don't need faith for that. Faith is, is concerned with things that are not seen and not yet. What is something you're hoping for? What does hope, what does hope indicate? What is hope uh, in an indication of? It's an indication towards the future, right? It's looking ahead. Hope is something that you're hoping for, right? People hope to have a good retirement. They hope to, to their, that their kids will turn out right. They hope that this will happen, that will happen, right? They'll hope, they hope this. Well, it's always looking forward, right? It's the not yet, right? And so faith is concerned with things that are not yet things that are hoped for, but also things that are not seen. You know, the very definition of hope itself is a confident expectation. That's what the definition of hope is. It's a confident expectation. And that's what faith is concerned with, those things that are not yet not seen. Go with me over to uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark the 11th chapter uh, um, in, in the, we're going to start a little bit early. We always read Mark 11, 23, 24. I always like starting with Mark eleven twenty two, but I want to start before that. I mean, this is the passage of scripture that Brother Hagen got a hold of that got him off the bed of sickness. He was had a terminal disease and and a sickness racking his body, and he was expected to die. To die and and uh, doctors had told him, you know, you just just wait, son. It'll all be over soon. But he got a hold of this verse, and he when the truth of this almost said when God raised him up. How I many know God did raise him up? But it was it was more than just God raised him up. He got a hold of something. He accessed something that, that was not seen. He had hope for something that was not yet, something for the future. And he laid a hold of something that wasn't seen. There was health that he couldn't see for his body, right? And he laid a hold of this. 
And so Brother Hagin read these, you know, when he got down to, to uh, Mark, rather, 11, 22, 23, 24, he just stopped. And, and, of course, he began to meditate on these things, and God made this real to him. The Holy Spirit revealed this to him, and God raised him up. But I want to look a little bit earlier in the passage here in Mark eleven uh, twelve 12, uh, in the 11th chapter, verse 12. It says, Now the next day, when they'd come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a trig fee, or, or a fig tree, a a tig free. Did I say that? A fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find some on it. You know, I used to always think that was a little weird. Why did the Lord, why did the Lord, did, I, the Lord must have just hated figs like pastor hates, uh, uh, what, what were they? Pears. So he must, he must, maybe he, maybe he disobeyed when he was little, you know, and he, he got some figs when he wasn't supposed to, and that, they made him sick. No, I don't know. Jesus never disobeyed, but uh, I always thought, man, he must hate figs. That gives me a good reason not like figs, unless it's a fig Newton, amen. But anyway, uh, yeah, I can't even. I don't even know if I've ever had a fig outside of a fig Newton. That's all right. I'll I'll stay with that. I like those fig Newtons. But anyway, he said he he uh, he went to see if perhaps he would find some on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. I always wonder why did the, why did Jesus go to this tree looking for something when it wasn't even season for it. You know, something I believe the Lord told me years ago, he said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just to make a point. Jesus wasn't just showing off. And that just wasn't the only tree around. He thought, let me go curse this tree and see what happened and, and, and watch it dry so I can prove, or dry up so I can prove to my, to my boys here that, that what I say happens. But I think it was more to that. He had already done enough to impress them and he had more things to impress them, right? But I believe he's trying to tell us here something that, that we can produce in every season of life. Even when it doesn't look like it's possible, it's possible to produce. Even when we're not in the right situation or the right, everything's not just the right thing, God still expects us and is calling us to live a life above and beyond what it looks like and what natural seasons are, amen? And so he went to this thing to see if there might perhaps be something when there was nothing. Uh, he found nothing because it wasn't the season for it. In response, Jesus, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from fruit uh, uh, no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Aren't you glad that faith is not quiet? His disciples heard it. Then drop on down to verse 20 it says now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter remembering said to him, rabbi, look, the tree, which you cursed has withered away. You know, just as a side thought, I wanted to mention this, uh, you know, faith deals with these two things, things that are not yet and not seen, not seen, not yet. Things that are hoped for in the future and the things that we can't see. Faith, faith focuses on those things. But I just want to point out here that just because you can't see something doesn't mean something's not happening. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean something's not happening. When they came by in verse 20, and now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. Now, the, 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 the Bible, the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to, add, to make sure this was included, because Mark couldn't see this either. I mean, this was revelation right here. This verse was revelation. This was not something that Mark could see. They didn't go and dig the tree up and go look at it and stand there and look at it for the next several, the next day. No, they went on with Jesus, and as they came back by, they saw the tree. Mark didn't know what happened. But the Holy Spirit pointed this out. It says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, what? Dried up from the roots. Dried up from the roots. When they said something, when, when Jesus spoke to that tree, when he released faith, when he released the command of faith, something began to happen right then. The Bible says it dried up from the roots. 
It didn't dry up from the top down. It dried up from the bottom up. It dried up in an area of the where. What area did it dry up in? What area, what, what area, there was a seen part of the tree, but then there was another part of the tree they couldn't see. It started in the not seen area. You know, we need to know and realize that when we're believing God for something, when we speak, when we, when we believe God, when we declare something, I mean, no, faith is not tomorrow. Faith is I have it now. It deals with the not seen, the things that are not seen and not, not yet, but it calls it ours and it receives it. When? Now. It says it's ours now. How many know whenever we take a stand of faith in any area, don't wait to see it to believe it. Wait to, when you speak it, when you ask for it, when you declare it, you've got to know according to God's word, it belongs to you. Why? Because in the unseen realm, those things start happening and faith calls those things that are not as though they were. They exist somewhere else and it brings it into where we are now. So when Jesus spoke to this tree, it began to dry up from the roots and they came back by and said, Hey, look at this. I was thinking this afternoon, Daniel, remember when Daniel was praying and, and was asking, uh, was asking, you know, the Lord uh, was asking for answers or whatever. And they said that from the moment you prayed, from the moment you spoke, from the moment you sought after wisdom, I sent the answer. I sent the angel said, I was sent the moment you see you, 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 you asked of wisdom that you sought me. It's important that we not let loose of things just because we don't see them yet. It's important we don't let loose of things because we don't see them yet. Because just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there and that it's not yours. You know, when we were on vacation, uh, uh, we, were, we were in Bland, we were in Virginia, we were driving to Dismal Falls, all the youth and singles who've been with us on Winter Treat up there, you know that area, we were going to Dismal Falls like we do every time, and uh, the kids were in the car, and I don't know if it was Nate or Mia or Jack, but anyway, I think it was Nate maybe, it was Nate's idea, he noticed there was this, um, uh, uh, this guy, this YouTube sensation, this YouTube personality guy called Mr. Beast, I don't know if anybody, who in here knows who Mr. Beast is, I just want to see a, a raise of hands. All right, a few. All right, so the younger folks know who Mr. Beast is, most of them. And so they saw they were, they were uh, this uh, gentleman, this Mr. Beast guy. I don't know what his real name is. I, I, I trust his last name isn't Beast. That'd be a terrible name. But anyway, Mr. Beast, and uh, he was selling these shirts online, these autographed shirts. And so Mia got real excited. I think Nate, Nate and, you know, told her and brought the idea up. So Nate and Mia both uh, got online and, and bought one of these autographed shirts. And Mia, she was so excited. She was so excited, you know, when Amy's, I think we're driving and you're heading out to Dismal Falls, we're racing, you know, getting a, dropping out of a, a Wi-Fi, a signal. I think we might've even stopped to do it to make sure we didn't lose signal because she saw something that she wanted. And so she made the transaction. Amy paid for it on his website, made the transaction. And she said, she was so excited. She said, now she's like, she was so happy. She said, now I can tell everybody I have a Mr. Beast t-shirt. I've got an autographed Mr. Beast. I wish she had, you know, maybe done something that wasn't, you know, antichrist related. I don't know. I had a bad sound. But anyway, she says, I'm so glad I've got a Mr. Beast t-shirt. She said, I'm, I, can, I can tell everybody I own a Mr. Beast t-shirt. And I said, Mia, how do you know you have this t-shirt? She said, because mom just paid for it. Because mom just did it. She, got, she was excited about it, even though she couldn't see it. 
She was excited about it because even though she couldn't have it, she was excited about it and willing to tell other people about it, even though it wasn't even in her hands. I said, Mia, that right there is the perfect example of faith. When you believe God for something, you've got God's word on it, just like you've got an Amazon confirmation or Mr. Beast confirmation. You've got God's word on it. And just like you know it's yours, even though it's not in your hand, the transaction was made. You made that transaction. It is yours. You can't see it, but it belongs to you. That is faith in action right there. Let, let's let our faith in God be better than faith in Mr. Beast. Let's let our faith be something that is more settling and more exciting to us than faith, faith in Amazon. I tell you, when I make a purchase on Amazon, I know you do it too. When I make the purchase, I start making plans for its arrival and what I'm going to do with it when it's here. And I'll tell, I'll tell Amy, I bought such and such today. We've got this and it's on the way. It belongs to us. It'll be here tomorrow. I got the one day shipping. It's ours. It'll be here tomorrow, right? That's what faith is. Faith, it, it deals in the unseen. And so she made a transaction and she said, it's mine. Listen, the life of faith, we can all do this. I said, we can all do this. The moment we make a declaration, the moment we take God at his word, it belongs to us, right? Why? Because faith deals with those things that are not yet and not seen, but they are still ours. Amen. Amen. They belong to us. Hallelujah. I tell you, whatever you're believing for, be encouraged tonight, right? The thing you're standing in faith for, it's real. It's real. It's not going to happen. It has already been made. It has substance and reality, and it belongs to you. Amen? How, how foolish would we be to sit around and say, I hope that worked. Oh, I hope that worked. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm, gonna ring my, I'm wringing my hands. I hope that worked. I hope I, I hope I hope I was able to buy it. I hope it exists. I hope it's coming. Mr. Beast's t-shirt took two months to show up. That wasn't on Amazon because he had to sign like 10 million of them or something it was 70,000. I guess not exactly 10 million. It was like 70,000. That's preacher exaggeration. No, it was like 70. Hey, 70,000 is a lot, right? And that you don't do that in like 20 minutes. He had to sign, even if it's just a smiley face and an initial 70,000 takes a while. Right. And so it finally showed up and and got there. Wouldn't it be silly for her to say, Oh, every day, mom, do you think it happened? Do you think we're going to get it? Think, do you think the t-shirt exists? Now, in the natural, our questioning doesn't do anything, right? Because we've made a transaction, but we're faith people, right? And to call something from an unseen realm into reality, we have to make sure we stay in a place of faith, that we keep our confidence, our expectation in what we believe for and not get it off on what we see. Just because you start on what you can't see, you got to finish on what you can't see. Faith will see you through from beginning to end, right? So whatever you're believing God for, don't be moved by it. Whatever you're believing God for, don't be moved because you can't see anything. Whatever you're believing God for, don't be moved because you don't realize that the tree is drying up from the roots. Amen? Are you listening? It's important we not let loose of those things. I believe there's a lot of things that we believe God for that we didn't see it through to the end. And it's not so much as though, well, you know, if it's ours and we believe for it, it'll just happen. No, because when we get out of faith, you realize you can't, when you, it's, you're either in faith or you're in something else. And I think this is something we, we've not realized how important this is, that we keep our attention on the word of God and our confidence in the reality of those things we can't see, right? It's because you can't, if you're not in faith, you move into something else, if you're not in faith, you move into something called unbelief. 
And the Bible actually calls that evil, right? And so it comes to the things of God and the things of the kingdom. When we get out of faith, we actually resist the things that we just called into existence. Now we start pushing those things away. The answer is just don't get in unbelief, right? Don't let what you can see or not see affect what you believe in and what you're trusting for, amen? So whatever you're looking at, whatever you're facing tonight, I tell you what, God is faithful. His word is true, amen? I want to look at two examples tonight of, and, and I didn't realize I'm up here this long. Two examples I want to look at. We'll talk about Abraham and we'll talk about somebody else in a minute. So go over to uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. How many know we can learn a lot uh, from scriptures? You know, the, the, obviously we can learn a lot from scriptures, but uh, the things that are recorded here are for our benefit. There were so many things that were done that weren't recorded, but the things that are recorded here in God's word, they're for our benefit. So we can learn from these things and be encouraged by these things and learn to walk like these folks did. These are, this is an example of the God kind of faith, right? This is an example of somebody. And it's also good to know that other people did this, not just God. He's not the only one who calls those things that, that don't exist as though they do, right? Abraham was walking in the same kind of faith. So it's here in uh, Romans, the eighth chapter. We're going to skip over to the uh, 16th verse. It says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that through the, uh, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's talking about you and I. We're of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Of course, in Hebrews chapter 11, it has all these different individuals here that, that, uh, uh, that, exemplified great faith. Abraham has talked early on here and it says here that he's the, he's the father of us all and that we're of the faith of Abraham. This faith is the faith that we have. He says, as it is written, verse 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom you in the presence of whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who, contrary to hope, in hope believed that he may become the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so that so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I want you to notice here in verse 18, it says, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Contrary to hope. What is he saying here? Contrary to hope. Something that's not seen. Contrary to it. It's, it's not seen. And in hope is not yet. Something that was not seen and really not even more, not as much that it wasn't seen. It wasn't even likely. Something that you couldn't see. There was a hope there that wasn't, that was not yet, but it's not even probable, not even likely, and it's not even supposed to happen. Hope Hope is such an important thing. Hope can exist even in the face of situations that are hopeless, that appear to be hopeless. Hope exists in those same situations. This was a hopeless situation on the surface, but in hope, he still had a vision for what was to come. God has said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He didn't have any kids, not a single one, had no children, but God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Rolled back the stars, rolled back the, the clouds and looked at the stars. He didn't say just one or two, but there'd be multitudes of these. What an unlikely situation. What an improbable situation. What a, what a, what a just a fantastic command and promise God made, made Abraham. 
And yet it, it established something in, in Abraham. There's, there's hope here. There's something I can have. It's a, it's a view for the future. There's faith for the future. You know, most people operate by what they see by their senses. There's a saying, seeing is believing. No, it isn't. We are not called to, to operate by what we see. If Abraham had operated by what he saw, this would have never happened. He would not be the faith of, we would not have the faith of Abraham, nor would be his, we would be his heirs, his descendants. God doesn't operate that way. Thankfully, Abraham doesn't operate that way. Look over at us. Hold your place here and hold, go to 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to look at the uh, fourth chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians, the, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at uh, the 18th verse. They said God operates in an area and call, has called us to live by the same, that are this area of the things that are not seen and, be, and not be moved by what is seen. It says here in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, this is um, uh, in the uh, 18th verse. It says, while we do not look at those things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Living by faith will make us stable. Living by faith will make us stable. Remember, living by what you see, seeing is believing. That's not faith. Seeing is seeing. Seeing is not believing. But the things that you can see, they're only temporary. It means they're not, they're not eternal. They're here today, gone tomorrow. But the things which are not seen, those things are eternal. The life of faith will make us stable in every single area. I said the life of faith will make you stable. If you want to get past being pushed this way and that way, manipulated here and manipulated there, that's really what it is. The seen realm wants to manipulate us. Temporary wants to tell us what's real. Temporary wants to tell us what's eternal. Temporary is just that. It's temporary. Temporary, by definition, means here today, gone tomorrow. Temporary means it's reality now, right? But it won't be tomorrow. If we'll learn to live by faith, but the things that are not seen will become stable in our lives and then usable for the Lord, right? Stable, usable in every single area. Abraham being promised, uh, uh, was being promised to be the father of, of a multitude, father of nations. Even though it didn't look possible naturally, it absolutely was because God, because God had said it, right? Go back over to, uh, back to the 19th verse in Romans chapter 4. Turn back over to Romans, the fourth chapter. We were reading there in, uh, um, uh, in the, um, we stopped there in uh, the 18th verse. who contrary to hope, in hope believes, so they became the father of many nations, Right? According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. According to what was spoken, according to what was spoken. He didn't just make it up, make it up, but it was according to what was spoken, right? So shall your descendants be. Verse 19 says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver the promises of God through unbelief. He didn't waver. He didn't, he didn't consider and he didn't waver. How many know it's our decision what we consider? I said it's our decision what we consider. And what you consider determines whether you waver or not. Remember I said that uh, learning to live by faith, the things that are not seen, the eternal things will give you stability. When you're stable, you don't waver. 
What is wavering? Wavering is vacillating. It's, it's uncertainty. It's being unsure. When you're move, maneuvering by things that are eternal, there's no more moving. There's no vacillating. There's no weight. There's no more instability in our, in our life. But it's because he refused to consider the things that he saw. He didn't consider his own body, didn't consider uh, uh, being 100 years old, didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. It goes on to say in verse uh, 21, it said, And being fully convinced, the King James says, fully persuaded, that what he had promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. <laughs> it was accounted to him for righteousness. He says being, and being convinced, uh, being convinced, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. He didn't question what God had said. He simply put his trust in the promise. He accepted it. He was fully persuaded. What an awesome example this is of, of using our faith. So what an awesome example this is of using our faith. If Abraham can do this, think about the situation. He wasn't just in his 50s. He was 100 years old. Right? There's a big difference. I can tell the difference between my 20s now in my mid-40s. I didn't want to go further than that, right? I mean, he was almost 100 years old. What a great example. If Abraham could do this, Abraham wasn't even born again. Abraham didn't have a covenant with God at this point. A covenant was being established, but he didn't, he didn't have this internal personal relationship with God. He wasn't seated with Christ in heavenly places. And yet he still refused to consider something and strength was given to him. And he was able to, to, to bring into existence, into reality, the things that God has come, had, had, had promised him. To be like this, we must overcome ignorance. We must know what God's word says. And we've got to get past indecision. You know, James talks about when we need, when we're looking for wisdom to ask in faith without what? Without wavering. What is wavering when we ask for something? It's going back and forth. See, Abraham made a decision. He was going to believe for something. There was going to be no wavering. Why? Because he wouldn't consider the other side. He'd only consider God's side. He'd only consider what God had promised him, not what it looked like, but what he couldn't see. That's all he would consider. We've got to get over ignorance and pass indecision. Amen. Wavering is not of God. I said, it's not a godly characteristic. Well, I want to just look at all sides. No, there's some sides you best not look at if you want the promises of God to come to pass in your life, right? We've got to get past ignorance and indecision. Abraham was fully persuaded uh, that God, that what God had promised he was able to perform. So that's an example of someone who did it right. But I want to go over to uh, John, the 20th chapter, John chapter 20. And let's look at an example of somebody who didn't do something exactly right. How you know that sometimes you can learn things from the wrong example just as well as you can learn from the right example? I was thinking uh, this afternoon, you know, years ago, you know, we've, we've, we've raised in the process of raising three kids. When they were little, you know, we told them, uh, uh, I was reminded of this because Nate was, they were laughing about this the other day, I think Saturday. And, um, you know, we told our kids, you know, don't stick anything in the wall sockets. We told them, don't, don't do any of that. You know, don't make sure you don't put anything in there that, that's not a plug that you're not intending to turn on. Don't just stick random things in a, in a, in a, in a, in a light socket. It can hurt you. Who's ever told that to their, to their kids? Well, you know, you can tell them what to do and give them all the reasons for it. But sometimes whenever you do it yourself and you, you don't do it the right way, you learn a key lesson. 
And so uh, Nate uh, decided he was going to play with a wall socket in his room. And I don't know what it was he decided. He, he had had the example in the story of his dad, don't do it. But he, he wanted something a little else. He disobeyed and he stuck something in the wall socket. Of course, it shot a flame, a ball, a, a fireball came, you know, went up the wall, burned a poster on his wall. I mean, it was, it was not good. It shocked him real good. Sometimes we can learn a lot by not doing the right thing, right? Where's Nate at? Have you ever been tempted to do that again? Nope, not a bit. No, I've never seen Nate. I've never walked in his room. You know, there was a while I'd walk in his room and I knew he was messing with the outlet. He would have had a fork or he had some of these, like, you know, he was sticking stuff in there. And, and I'm like, Nate, you better not do that. It's going to get you. Well, one day he, he did it with Mount Mean walking by and he started, what was it? A what? A Brad? Just a little metal thing he stuck it in there and it Whoa, it got it. Well, we can learn some things from people who don't do it the right way. So if you're wondering whether that's a good idea, just ask Nate. But here in um, John, the 20th chapter, we've got uh, the account here of somebody that we like to refer to, Doubting Thomas. You know, I heard somebody say, it's probably not a good idea to call him Doubting Thomas anymore because we've all had moments where we did the same very thing in other areas, right? Anybody ever doubted anything? I know I have. I'm sure you have as well. I'm sure Thomas doesn't want to be called Downing Thomas the rest of eternity. But uh, it says here in uh, the 24th verse of John chapter 20, it says, Now Thomas, called the twin, was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. What an awesome report they gave him. We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hand, in his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, so I think sometimes, you know, we, we look at this and we think, oh, you know, oh, shame on old Thomas. What Thomas had just experienced and seen was pretty radical, was pretty amazing, all the things that he had just seen in the days leading up to that. Yes, he'd heard the promise, what Jesus had spoken, but he also saw Jesus arrested, beaten, right? He saw Jesus uh, uh, mocked and, and, and ridiculed. He saw Jesus nailed to a cross, which was the death penalty of that day. Saw him nailed to a cross. Saw him hanging there, right? Saw them pierce his side. Saw them brought, bring him down. Saw them wrap him up and put him in a tomb, right? He had seen a lot of things. He had a lot of other reasons to believe something else. Well, they're saying, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw Jesus and, uh, and he said, he said, listen, unless I can see it, unless I can put my finger into his, the print of his hand, my hand in, into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were uh, again inside and, and Thomas was, it, was with him. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the middle and said, peace be to you. Jesus walked right in the room, right through the door. He's pretty awesome. In verse 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hand and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be what? Unbelieving, but believing. Remember I said, if you're not in faith, you're in something else. He wasn't believing what they said. He was now in something called unbelieving. He was resisting something. He said, don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Finally, Thomas got out of the doubting Thomas stage and he got into the believing stage, right? In verse 29, says, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet or not seen and yet have believed. And so we're looking at this, um, uh, you, you know, he said, Thomas said in the 25th verse, he said, except I see 
uh, his, the, his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas could have responded differently. Thomas had a choice to respond differently. Now, it doesn't say this, but I don't know that Thomas was the only one who hadn't seen the Lord at this point. It didn't tell us if everybody had seen him. There might have been others who hadn't seen him yet either. There was more than just 12 disciples. There were others that, that, that were also hearing this report, not just Thomas. I don't know what the rest were doing, but, but he could have responded differently. I'm sure some of them responded the right way. He could have said, you know, praise God. He said, That's, that just like Jesus said, he was going to be raised up on the third day. He could have said that, but instead he said something else. This day he chose to respond to a different way. You know, it's interesting to me when I read this account, when Jesus came into the room, of course, first thing he said is peace. You know, God's always going to, he's always wanted to, 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 to administer and speak peace over our life. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? That's his first concern. Listen, don't worry. Why? Because worry and faith can't exist together. Fear and faith, fear is really the faith on the wrong side. And you can't be operating in that and yet in the faith of God, the peace of God. So he said, listen, he said, uh, 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 he told him, he said, uh, uh, peace be to you. Verse 27, he immediately turned around and said something to Thomas, reach your finger here and look into my hands, reach your hand, right, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. You know, it's interesting when he came in the room, he didn't give hugs to those he hadn't seen yet. He didn't walk around and give high fives, right? He didn't go in and do the moonwalk. Oh, boys, I'm here. Three days is up. Woo, I'm here. He didn't do all of that. He didn't, he didn't spike the ball. He, he didn't do anything. He said, peace be to you. And he went and he dealt with something called unbelief. He dealt with something called unbelief is the very first thing he did. He dealt with unbelief. You know, I think sometimes we think God's okay with this stuff. That whenever we, we, we get out of line, when we, when we choose not to trust him, that he's okay with it. Uh, you know, God's not okay with this stuff. I said, God's not okay with this. I referenced it later, uh, earlier, but Hebrews chapter 3, the 12th verse, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in you any, uh, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The writer of Hebrews, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, re- connects an evil heart to unbelief. And I know that doesn't make us feel all warm and fuzzy, but we ought to know how God looks at things. Any area of unbelief in our life, God's not okay with it. Why? Because he's provided better for us. As soon as he walked in the room, he said, listen, he said, peace. And then Thomas, get it right. Peace, Thomas, put your hand here. Peace, Thomas, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Get out of unbelief, that evil attitude of unbelief, that evil position of unbelief. Get into faith. Get into where you're called to be. Even though the situation was, 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 was understandable, Jesus wasn't okay with it. Why? Because there's certain aspects of unbelief that are just wrong. We see here when, when, uh, when Thomas said that, he said, unless I can do this, I will not believe. Do you realize that unbelief is stubborn? I don't think stubbornness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? I don't think the stubbornness was listed anywhere in that. That he says, unbelief is stubborn. It's a refusal to accept God at his word. It's a refusal to believe what God is saying. God's not, God is not glorified by that. Remember when going back to Abraham, when Abraham did it right, it says that he was glorifying God. When we walk in faith, it actually brings glory to God. When we choose to not be stubborn and submit to what he says, regardless of what we can see, it actually brings glory to the Lord. He's glorified by that. 
When, when we're being stubborn and want to be in unbelief, it doesn't bring glory to God. It actually does the opposite. Now, faith, uh, unbelief is stubborn. Unbelief is stubborn. But also I see this in there. Let's lead, read the 25th verse again. He said, except I see in his hands the print of the nail and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. What did he say? I will not. Ever say that with me. I will not believe. I will not believe. Thomas said, our boy Thomas said, unless I can do this, unless I can see something, feel something, I will not. It was stubborn, but I see also it was a choice. And, and I want to leave this as I wrap up tonight. Faith is a choice. Faith is not a, is, is not a message faith alone. Faith is not a movement. It's a lifestyle. It's a calling. But what it also is, faith is a choice. See, the difference between Abraham, the one that we're the faith of and the father of our faith, and, and Thomas is one made a decision to not consider. He made a decision to believe something. The other made a, to, to a decision to only consider and to not believe. Thomas said, I will not believe. The reality is he couldn't have said, I cannot believe. He couldn't have said, honestly, couldn't have said, you know what? I just can't believe that. Ever heard somebody say, I can't believe that? Oh, I just can't believe that. You know, when it comes to the promises of God or what God has spoken, what God has said, we can't say we can't believe. It's not possible to say, to be honest and say we can't believe. Because if God has said it, if God has promised it, that means it's available, right? God would not promise us anything that wasn't possible. Everything, every promise, everything that he's given us, every word that he's spoken, it is a fact. And whether we believe it or not is not on a can't issue, it's on a will you or will we not issue, Right? Faith is a decision. Yeah, but I'm I'm facing this. Listen, no matter what you're facing, it's a decision. No matter what it looks like, it's a choice. Either I will or I will not. Abraham said, I will, and I will not consider that. I only consider what God said, and I will believe. Thomas says, I will not consider what Jesus has said, and I will not consider what you're telling me. I'll only consider what I see. I will not believe. Faith is a choice. I know people like to mock things that we say and say, I'm just sorry, I just can't believe that. No, it's a choice. Go over to, hold your place here. Go over to 1 John. 1 John, the fifth chapter. And I think we need to be, be, be aware of how important these things are. Like I said, you know, God, or the Lord Jesus was not happy with Thomas. He didn't come in and say, it's all right, and it's okay, I get it. He's, he's, he corrected him right? He walked through the door and he got it straight. And uh, do I think God is walking around with an attitude and mad at us? No, he's not. But same point doesn't mean he's necessarily pleased at the same point, at the same time. In areas where we're, where we're choosing not to believe. But I want to look at this here in 1 John, the fifth chapter, in the 10th verse. I want to read the, uh, the first part of this. It said, he who believes in the son of God has this witness in himself He does not, and he who does not believe God has what? Has made him a a liar. A liar. Our refusal to trust God, to believe God, to be confident in God is actually calling God a liar. Has he ever called you a liar? You're telling the truth. They said you're lying, right? Did that warm your heart? No, it didn't warm, doesn't warm your heart at all, does it? No, you, th- them there are fighting words, right? I mean, you, you, you don't like that sort of thing. 
Well, when we refuse to believe what he's told us, when we refuse to do that, when we refuse to, to acknowledge and agree with him, we're, we're really saying, God, you're lying in this area. That's kind of sobering, I know, right? But, but that's what the scriptures say when we choose not to believe, we're actually calling God a liar. God is not okay with unbelief. I said, God is not okay with unbelief. The good news is we can continue to move up in these things and we can make a decision like Abraham to believe God. We can make a decision to believe God because we're not limited by what we see. We're, we're not, faith doesn't deal, believing has nothing to do with what we see. It's the not yet and the not seen. It's the hope in what we, we is not yet and what we, we have not seen. But there's reality there in it. People say, well, I just, you know, I can't, any, really any of the promises of God, we can't say I can't, I can't forgive, I can't forget. <laughs> well, I had a, my granny used to say, I forgave him, but I just can't forget. And that's a decision not to forget, right? Even the word tells us to do, we can do it. You can walk in love, even with your boss, right? You can control your tongue. You can do all of those things. We can obey. Thomas said, unless I see it, touch it, I will not believe. We do see, we do believe. Amen. And the 26th verse says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were there and, and oh, oh, we read that already. Uh, let me see. I got my scriptures out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, uh, he said, blessed are you because the blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. He said, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. This is in the 29th verse of John chapter 20. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. There's no blessing attached to the seeing is believing or the not seeing is not believing, but there is blessing attached to the not seeing and believing. That's what the Lord calls blessed. There's where the blessing is. Abraham glorified God, amen? Having not seen anything, he chose to make a decision. You know, there's no, there's no faith involved when we require to see something, receive results ahead of time. But it's a choice. It's a decision that we make. I want to leave us with that tonight. And you know, whatever you're looking at, you say, well, this, this situation is just too big. Nothing's too big. I said, nothing's too big. If you've got God's word, remember, we need to get free from ignorance, knowing the will of God right? Having a praying, if it be that will is not some sign of humbleness. It, it's, it's, it, it's actually goes against the very word of God, right? But if you have God's word on something, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it appears to be, right? No matter what it is, it's a decision that we make, whether what, what we're going to believe, what we're not going to believe. You know, Abraham made the choice to put his trust in what the father had told him. Thomas didn't. Was one situation more, more unlikely than the other? Both situations were unlikely in the natural. I doubt Abraham knew any other 100-year-olds and 90-year-olds that were having babies. They were probably happy about that, right? But he probably didn't know anybody else that was doing this. Nor did Jesus know many others that were being raised from me after being crucified on the cross. I would say probably Thomas had more reason to believe it than Abraham did. Because he had walked around with the one who was crucified and said that he would be raised up. He saw that same man raise other people up. He had three years of seeing it happen. Right? So no matter what your situation is, I tell you, if God has promised it, we get the opportunity to make a decision to live by faith. Right? To live in the area of the not yet and the not seen. I tell you, it belongs to us. 
And it's the easiest thing for us is what we were called to do. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.